You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, Where Did All the Spaniards Go? Saturday, August 9th. I begin my day by drinking a cup of hot water. It's something I've recently taken to doing. With constant news about how it turns out that pretty much everything is bad for you, it seems like drinking boiled water is a pretty safe bet. Plus, drinking it is not unlike a time machine in the way that it gives you the exact same feeling as drinking tub water while taking a bath at the age of five. It's a soothing feeling, and I'll need plenty of soothing as I'm off to visit my parents in the suburbs today. When I get there, my father decides to take me along for his daily walk. A little exercise will do you good, he says, while stretching. My father's stretching is a procedure that involves bending his knees, cracking his knuckles, and making faces. The walk, which he's been doing for years, consists of laps around the parameter of the park across from his house. And as we promenade, we keep passing the same fanny pack-wearing senior citizens over and over. Every time we pass them, they nod to my father, and he nods back. Everyone's going in the opposite direction as us, I point out. I like to go clockwise, my father says. It's the right way. But we're going counterclockwise, I say. My father disagrees, and we argue the point over the course of two full counterclockwise laps. Finally, he stops and closes his eyes. He imagines he is above us, floating in the clouds, looking down on the earth and trying to read a park-sized watch. Then he concedes. All this time I've been going the wrong way, he says dejectedly. What these people must think of me. They probably just think you're a free spirit, I say. A rebel, a malcontent, forcing society to confront their button-down clockwise ways. Anyway, let's just switch if you want. I can't switch now, he says, shaking his head resolutely. I'm the kind of guy who stays the course. And his son is the kind of guy who doesn't really care one way or the other. And together, father and son, we walk on, against the clock, and nodding to the neighbors like it's the most natural thing in the world. Tuesday, August 12th. I put down the phone, sweating and breathing hard. Who are you arguing with, Zuzu asks. My dad, I answer, and we weren't arguing. I was just trying to explain that it's impossible for him to have gotten an email from the internet. Why do you care so much, Zuzu asks. My daughter poses a good question. Why do I care so much? I mean, every time I get off the phone with my parents, I look as though I've just pried myself out of a two-hour headlock. But the message my mother left me this morning would have been enough to push anyone over the edge. The message was, Hello, Johnny? Don't worry, nothing's wrong. I'm at the doctor with your father. He broke his arm off his eyeglasses, so we had to go to the optometrist. I hope you're having a nice day. I walk into the kitchen and pour myself a shot of vodka. Then I pour a cup of soothing, tepid tub water to chase it down. Wednesday, August 27th. My father has just returned from Barcelona. It's the first time he's been there in over 50 years, when he was stationed overseas in the army. For as long as I can remember, he's always dreamt of going back. So, I ask, how was it? It's changed, he says sadly. 
What did you expect, I ask? Places change after a half century. I know, he says, but I guess I was looking for closure, like with a past love. I thought I could at least depend on Rodriguez. Rodriguez, I ask? It was a three-tiered nightclub, my father says, like something out of La Dolce Vita. Omelets on the first floor, fine dining on the second, and on the top floor, you could dance the cachucha until sunrise. Now the whole place is a strip joint. When I ask him if anything was still the same, he says the statue of Christopher Columbus was still there. He enjoyed sitting under its shade until skateboarding teenagers drove him away. All in all, though, he says he had a pretty good time, dining at the Hard Rock Cafe and Pizza Hut almost every night. The ketchup might have been a little spicier, he says, but overall, it was just like being back home, so I really can't complain. Why don't you take me back to the fir- when you first arrived in Barcelona the first time when you were in your, uh, when you were in your early 20s? The year was uh, 1959. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never seen anything like this. I, I figured here's, you know, Spain with the palm trees and, and uh, it's, uh, the first thing we did on the first day is we went to the beach. Mm-hmm. And of course we bought a bottle of rum. We, 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 had, a, we would, had a few, we were enjoying ourselves, relaxing on the beach, watching the crowds pass by, watching the beautiful women on the beach. And um, I had a, a little too much. Mm-hmm. My friends went out, and I kind of slept it off. I went back to my to my pension. That's the first night, mm-hmm. and I and I just slept it off. And then about must have been about two or three in the morning, I got up, Johnny, and I walked out on the terrace. We had a little bit of a terrace in that room, and I looked out on Barcelona. And Johnny. Barcelona was all lit up with beautiful smells of all the different foods that were cooking, you know? Paella and uh, it was, this, Barcelona never slept. It was like a, it was like, a, you know, it was, a, it was a young man's place, a toy land. It was, we, we, I mean, everything that a young man wanted to do, he did. We went to the bullfights, you know, death in the afternoon, blood on the sand and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Met some friends, <laughs> female friends. What, 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 why do you say it with that lascivious laugh? Well, you know, <laughs> what can I tell you? I don't want to go into things. You know, it's a... Uh, we went out. We found girlfriends. Yeah. Spanish girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Okay? And uh, we danced the night away. And uh, it, was, it was, you know, I, you know what was back in my mind all the time? Hemingway, because I read Hemingway. And Hemingway, you know, hmm. describes, you know, his, 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 he talks a lot about Spain. I just felt like I was living in the Hemingway novel. Hmm. You know? Did it feel, I mean, it, did it feel like being in a Hemingway novel this time? No. Overly crowded. Mm-hmm. Only tourists that you saw on the street. Uh, you don't see a, where did the Spaniards go? You know, Hard Rock Cafe. Was there a Hard Rock Cafe 50 years ago? Of course not. Did you eat paella this time? I did, but it did, wasn't as good. It wasn't as good. Well, I mean, but what, where? I mean, what? I mean, where'd you have it at the Pizza Hut? No. I mean, you can't. <laughs> you can't. No. I'm sure you're not going to get a good paella at, at the. No, you know. we went to a fancy Spanish restaurant. Uh huh. But it was a touristy kind of restaurant. But that's the thing. I mean, like, I'm wondering, like, if there was any way that this trip could have possibly matched your expectation. We that, could have that gone former... to the beach, could have gone swimming on a Mediterranean, which you didn't, we didn't do, because mm-hmm. I was lazy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into a bathing suit and get full of sand. 
<laughs> when you're a kid, you don't give a shit about that. Who cares? You know, you go on the sand, the beach. Yeah. You're loose. Yeah. When you're young, you're loose. You do things uh, spontaneously. I mean, back then, were you less concerned about your own safety? Um, were you, did you feel more uh, un unencumbered, or uh, I didn't give a, I don't care about anything then. Nobody messed with us. Let's put it that way. How come? Were you wearing your we uniform? We were tough, Johnny. We were a bunch of, t and 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 you know, we were, on, were never looking for trouble, but we were tough, tough guys. You know, it was that kind of thing. Am I going to do those things when I'm, I'm with my brother-in-law at 73? Yeah, well, hopefully not. No. You know, we were ready for anything. Yeah. We were ready to have a great time. We were rip-roaring. What can I tell you, Johnny? Yeah. Rip-roaring guys. Young. Carefree. And, you, and, and, and not only that, you know you, what you're going back to at the end of that. You're going back to that army base. So you want to, yeah, man, you want to take those two weeks and just... Make them into something that's beyond anything that you've ever had before. But I mean, then that's a, that's a hard that's a hard thing to to compete with. Of course not. We're stayed. We're older. Mm -hmm. We have more responsibilities. So you had a different kind of trip this time. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was a wonderful trip. Yeah, I loved it, but it wasn't the same thing. You know, we both changed. Barcelona changed and I changed. I mean, I, I don't have any interest in the same things I had when I was single. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for the same things. I'm not looking for the same kind of thrills and entertainment. Bye. What? I need you to come up and do All right, just a second. I'm coming. All right. All right. She got an olive stuck in a bathtub drain. How, how did how did how did she get an olive stuck in that? You gotta ask her that. What, what happened? What were you doing? Eating olives in the bathtub? Don't worry, what I was doing. Unbelievable. All right, Dad. I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk to you later. Okay, Johnny. All right, I'm coming up. Okay. 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 Bye, Dad. Bye, Johnny. I'm gonna sing this song with all of my friends And where I'm from, Barcelona Love is a feeling that we don't understand But we're gonna give it to ya Saturday, August 30th. As he is a video game enthusiast, I ask Howard to weigh in on the new Nintendo Wii. He tells me he thinks it's a move in the wrong direction. All this standing up and moving around, not for him. If I really wanted to play golf, he says, I'd put on some pants, go outside, and play golf. What I want is to play golf while lying on my back and eating chips. Maybe cheese doodles. We talk about all the social pressure attached to exercise and decide to one day open up our own gym. A gym for guys like us. It'll be filled with trampolines and medicine balls. And whatever happened to those machines with the straps that vibrate your buttocks, I ask? We should get one of those, too. That was an exercise I could get into. And we'll serve whiskey and T-bones in the locker room, Howard says, getting all excited. We'll serve them on those wooden cutting blocks like they did in the 70s, I add before everyone was all obsessed with germs. 
I lean back and imagine myself hunched over a 20-ounce rib steak, wearing Adidas running shorts with long johns underneath, a towel around my neck, and my personal trainer at my side, pounding the table and yelling at me to chew 20 times on each side. Keep the wrist straight, he'll say, and bring the steak to you, not the other way around. And after 16 ounces, I will begin to feel the burn. Sunday, August 31st. Before we leave his house for the movie theater, Howard goes through the ritual of kissing his pug, Desmond, goodbye. It takes close to 15 minutes and involves a good deal of baby talk. Why do all that, I ask, grimacing. To go out on a high note, Howard says. Howard has a very show-busy approach to his relationship with Desmond. Sometimes, when guests are over... He puts a cigar in Desmond's mouth and recreates scenes from the career of Edward G. Robinson. That dog is the best straight man in the business, he says. Howard rolls around on the floor, cuddling Desmond to his chest while biting his ears. Let's wrap it up, I say, touching Howard's shoulder with the tip of my shoe. I just want to make sure he's filled with enough happy memories to last until I get back, he says. Howard is a very kind soul. If he had been born in some South American magical realist universe, he would have emerged from the womb already chomping through his own umbilical cord, just to be helpful. I'll take care of this, he'd say to the doctor. You're tired. You've had quite a day. Howard is a very loving man with a great deal to give. And because of this, I will not get to see how the dark night begins. Sorry, I know it was my fault. I know you're upset we missed the movie. I kept saying we're going to be late. Well, can we're I do the, be... uh, he needed food, he needed to walk, he needed to play a little bit. Hey, Desi? The relationship you have with your dog is completely abnormal. But many people have relationships with their dogs. No, they don't have relationships. They, they are the master of their pet. Well, in my case, my pet seems to be more of the master just a dynamic that, that basically is set in stone from the get-go. How, how? How does this... I mean, God gave you, put you on Earth and gave you a human brain. You're supposed to be at the top of the hierarchical chain. Yeah, but you're talking about the brain and I'm talking about the heart and those are so different. They're so different. Hey, Desi? They're so different, oh, eh? Oh, Jesus. Hey? Is that Desmond? That's Desi's toy. Oink. Oink, oink. It's, you see, it's, it's, it's... I mean, since you got that dog, I can't even have a normal conversation with you. We have to say to that. I think you're losing IQ points. If it wasn't for Desmond, I'd be six feet under, my friend. That's a very... Dead, dead, dead. That's a very strong... He's introduced play into my life. I don't think there was any lack of play in your life. Work, well, maybe. Not, not play. I mean, what did I have before? I, you know, I'd be sitting here in the dark eating a sandwich. And now, now I'm, I'm running around the apartment trying to get my sandwich out of the dog's mouth. So we're running, we're playing... He takes a bite, I take a bite. You let the dog bite your sandwich. Dog's, dog's mouths are, are cleaner than a human's mouth. It's disgusting. Did you ever have a dog? No, I've never had a dog. Have you ever known love? Yes, I would like to think so, yes. Did you have a cat once that died from a lack of affection? No. No, but I, I remember that was the case. The doctor said, wow, has this cat ever been stroked? That, that was the <laughs> autopsy report. Cause of death, lack of affection. Well, I, I seem to remember that. Mm-hmm. I see. I know what you're. I know what you're implying right now. I'm cold. I, I, you know, I don't like animals. I do, but I just feel like you go a little bit overboard. It's not even. It's like you're saying going to your son's baseball game. First baseball game was going overboard. You see again an example of going overboard. You're comparing your dog to a child. The point is that you know we have to show support to all creatures. 
Even Derrida says that there's a hierarchy, there's a philosophical Wait, hierarchy. Wait, excuse there. me, you're quoting Jacques Derrida. Well, yes. The French uh, deconstructionist. He feels that women and children and animals and slaves are all kept out of the discourse and philosophy. And that's why men are the only philosophers. I don't know that he said that. Oh, he did. Desmond told me. Hey, Desi, you reading Derrida? Yeah, you know what? That's, I mean... We have, well, I wake up in the morning and we have a good, solid two-hour cuddle session. Then I take him for a good, long, grueling walk around the corner. Then supper. I like to make him a plate the way I make my own plate. I pick, the, you know, the meat and the veggies and the, and the potatoes. I laid should all he be eating bread. any of these? You should, should your dog be eating human food? No. So why are you doing it? He likes it. And he looks so cute when he has a little cloth napkin around his neck. And he doesn't really have any teeth left anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Why doesn't he have any teeth? The doctor says he's been eating too much human food. There's so many great things about having a dog. You know, you play with them. They give you love. They're warm and furry. Mm-hmm. They like to sleep with you, and they, they snuggle up. They make all yeah. kinds of cute sounds. Wow. They're just full of joy. They're great with children. Girls like them. I talked about the time, eh? He tried to bite my throat. D- Desmond did? It was my fault, though. How can you... Why... How is this your fault? Well, it kind of goes back to the whole dog food thing, you know? Like, basically, I wanted to get him back on, like, on, like dry food. He wouldn't eat it. So he went for a day and a half just staring at this dog dish. And for no apparent reason, I just came up behind him. I was just feeling, like, overwhelmed with love. And I grabbed him from behind him. I was going snuggly, snuggly like that. And the, the his head was right next to my throat. And he just lashed out. And, and he just bit my throat really hard. And left the big keeping wound there. So he's got entitlement issues and homicidal tendencies. You have homicidal tendencies, does he? There's nothing cute about it. You're gonna, go, you're gonna kill me in the sleep when I'm sleeping, cuddling up, you're gonna go and my throat out? Don't you think that's in the realm of possibility? Not really. I'm usually a pretty deep sleeper. So you've ruled out the possibility of him ever trying to bite your throat again? Oh, no, no. He, he did it another time. Howard, how many times has he tried to kill you? No, no, it's not killing. This is, these were really extraordinary circumstances. I put liver pate on my throat. Why would you put pate on your, th- on your throat? It felt like the thing to do. I just went with it. I think he was just going to lick it off. No, no, no. You wouldn't kill me, eh? Eh, hey, does he? Eh? Hey, does he going to cut my throat? You know what? You guys are perfect for each other. No, no, Desi. That's my cheeseburger. No, no. That's mine, Desi. You had your half. This is mine. No, no. Monday, September 1st. I am struck quite suddenly by the realization that I no longer have friends who make jello vodka shooters. I don't even have friends of friends who make jello vodka shooters. Let me be clear. I never actually liked jello vodka shooters. Aside from drinking Windex or snorting crushed Rolades, it's pretty much the least classy way to get wasted possible. But I guess I always just thought they'd be around. Old age slowly descends like a mid-March Montreal snowfall. Odd knee pains, hair on the earlobes, no jello vodka shooters. It's a geriatric blizzard out there. Earlier today, Zuzu told me I was even starting to talk like an old man. How so, I asked. The words you use, she said. No one says soda pop or slacks anymore. 
She stops and considers what she's saying. Actually, it's more like you talk like an old woman. There are always new ways to feel old. In fact, new ways to feel old are the most regenerative thing a person's got. Tuesday, September 2nd. Zuzu and I are watching a DVD of Batman Begins. Bruce Wayne presses a series of keys on his piano, and a bookcase swings open to reveal the Batcave. He may not have powers like Superman, Zuzu says, but the man has style. Since turning 13, Zuzu has given up on ever being a superhero, but she has not given up on what for her is the coolest thing about being a superhero, the double identity. And to this end, she has lately been thinking of implementing a nickname. I warn her about the perils of trying to force such a thing into being. When I was your age, I say, I tried to get people to start calling me Hi-Fi. It never took, which was probably for the better. Nicknames lead to gangs, and gangs lead to complicated hour-long handshakes and unfortunate fashion choices, like tucked-in pant legs and brightly colored windbreakers. The best kinds of nicknames are the ones that start with the word the, like the Big Ragu or the Fonz. But with them comes the impossibility of ever leading a normal life, always having people expect more than the ordinary from you, applause to erupt when you walk through a doorway. And I just want Zuzu to have a normal life. It is probably for the best that we cannot name ourselves. Otherwise, we would try to give ourselves preposterous names, like Superman or Batman. I understand that you like Batman. Yeah, it's my favorite superhero. People have often described me as being, in some ways, I mean, not always, obviously, but in some ways similar to Batman. God, why are you doing that? Obviously, you're not at all like Batman. No, no, I'm not saying that I'm Batman or anything. I'm just saying that we have certain, there's certain overlap. No, no, there's there's nothing, there's nothing in common with you and Batman. Well, there's some things, obviously. We're both. Like what? Well, the man part, Batman. Forget about the bat, but the man, right? He's younger than you. One day he will be he will be as old as I but am. But then you'll be older. And so will he. Okay, you have nothing in common. Your ages are not the same. You don't even have the same hair color. Here. Both Batman and I, we both thrive in darkness. You don't. Like I'm in the darkness of the studio. He's in the Batcave. No. No? No, you guys have nothing in common. Unless you've got like a secret lair. Okay, you want secrets? Sometimes I sneak a sandwich into the studio, even though I'm not supposed to. How how does that relate with Batman? Well, you said secrets. Secret layer, like under your house. Under my bread. Oh, God. Okay, forget it. Secret layer of sandwich meat. I don't want to talk about it. All right, okay, all right. So now, you're saying that Batman is your favorite superhero. Yes. Okay, here. I like Batman. I always have liked Batman. Okay? Okay? Yeah, okay. But my favorite, I would have to say, is Superman. I really... Superman is my least favorite superhero. Why? Because he can do everything. What's the fun? Like, you can't... There's, like, the bad guy can never win. Well, that's why I like him. He's got all the powers. The story is always the same. And, like, Lois Lane is just, like... she likes Superman because he can fly. Like... You think she's using him for his flight powers? She doesn't like him when he has glasses on. Right, but then he's Clark Kent. His disguise makes no sense. It's like, how can nobody, like, recognize well, him? Well, look at me when I have my glasses on, right? Now, look, I'm going to take off my glasses. You ready? And? Okay, yeah, you you look the same. Then also, like, Superman is Watch like... Su- Superman, Clark Kent. You, you Superman, Clark Kent. 
Superman? Clark. Okay, stop it. Okay, and what was it? Uh, sorry, I interrupted. What was your, what was your other point? That Superman is impossible and Batman is actually realistic. Batman is realistic. Yeah. Realistic. Yeah. That's overstating, I think, the case. He doesn't have superpowers. But he's got like these this arsenal of like super weapons and like bulletproof uh, leotards. Yeah, well, you know, genius. Mm. Okay, so Superman doesn't appeal to you because he's unstoppable. He is inhuman. He's he's. Um, do you know what omnipotent means? No. All powerful. Okay. He he can do anything. He can do anything. Like in every movie, it's like, oh look, he can also do this. It's like, wait, what? Did you ever see the move where he um, needed to squelch this forest fire, so he froze an entire lake, picked it up as ice? Yeah, but Batman fails. Ah, say more about that. Well, he can be beaten. Like, there's a bunch of times where he's beaten and, like, has to go back to his lair to, like, find antidotes and stuff. So so it's the, it's the fact that he could fail that, that, that makes him appeal to you. Yeah, like, if he had his, like... Him and his enemies, they're practically equal because they mm. don't have powers and it's just all they have is their brains. Now, can I say something to you to bring it back to an earlier point that I was making? Yeah. Me and Batman, similarities. I fail all the time. No, 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 because he fails like in a heroic way. You don't have I, any bad guys that are I, like following you around with like knives in their pocket. N- well, no, but I mean, I fail in all kinds uh, of ways. Yeah, Kate, Kate, stop comparing you to Batman. It's like kind of like, it's I, really late. But that, I just made my point. Batman, I'm sorry. Okay, but you're, not, you're not like a On Wiretap Today, you heard Buzz and Dina Goldstein, Howard and Desmond Chakowitz, and Arizona O'Neill. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Mira Birdwintonic and Carolyn Warren. Production assistance from Crystal Duhame. Tune into Wiretap Sunday at 1, 4 Pacific Time, and Wednesday evening at 11.30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Reach us to our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap.